Hi, and welcome to Spilling Chai. I'm your host, Anusha Hussain. You may know me as the Bangladeshi American cable news commentator who debates toxic masculinity on Fox News with Tucker Carlson. Or maybe you've read my articles on CNN about toxic white supremacy. While I may be a pro at giving my opinion and analysis on the headlines, something you don't get to hear me do as much is ask the questions and talk about something other than the news. And that's what I'm all about doing right now, because seriously, between coronavirus, climate change, and Italy being on lockdown, my Persian cats and I need a detox from the outrage. This podcast, Billing Chai, is about conversations. I want to feel inspired. And radio is such a great medium to have really in-depth conversations and to take the time to have them. In this show, I'm going to be talking to brilliant writers, passionate activists, and amazing artists. And I want you to join us. This podcast is also a PSA on behalf of all brown people that in most of Asia and the Middle East, chai is not a latte. Instead, it's the best kind of tea. And on this podcast, we are all about spilling it. So pour your cup and sit down with us. Welcome to episode three of Spilling Chai, coming to you live from what used to be my children's playhouse. Thank goodness my husband and I converted it into an office just in time to be locked down at home with no childcare. Did I mention no childcare? Outside my now home podcast recording studio, it's an absolutely stunning spring day here in DC. Birds are chirping, cherry blossoms blooming, and azalea flowers are getting ready to burst in all their glory. But none of this matters because coronavirus has made us prisoners in our own homes. In quarantine and under lockdown, going on week four, I think maybe five, I feel like it's getting harder and harder to keep it all together especially on the mental health front, and especially as a mom. Ladies, for those of you doing self-isolating with no kids, please take mine. You can have them. Like most things, there's a gendered impact to coronavirus. And it's not only impacting women's health, which is what we talked about, you know, in our previous episode, but also what experts call women's, quote, emotional labor, and what I like to call some serious sexist BS. Lucky for all of us, our guest today, Shannon Kane Winters, my fabulous friend and neighbor, is joining me to spill some serious mental health chai in the time of corona. Shannon is a stay-at-home mother of three, working to break the cycles of generational trauma in her family. A private school teacher by training, Shannon taught Spanish for 10 years and joined the Obama administration as a political appointee in the U.S. Department of Education. After giving birth to her second child, Shannon transitioned to full-time parenting. In her free time, she is a mental health and gun violence prevention activist. She is also a talented writer. Shannon, I should also mention, is also our first chai latte guest. <laughs> That's right. Not that spilling chai is a brown guest only zone, but Shannon, she did when she, when she pointed that out to me, I was like, we have to, we have to say that on the show. So, hi, Shannon. Hi, Anusha. I'm honored to be your first chai latte guest. How are you doing? Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited <laughs> that you are our first trialist. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, welcome and thank you so much for being on the show. I love it too. You know what? If, if I was going to have someone be the first trialist, I guess it had to be you. <laughs> it's a real honor. Um, Wear it with pride. <laughs> A chai latte with an extra, an extra splash of almond milk. 
I love it. <laughs> so um, this this episode of Spilling Chai is about mental health challenges in the time of Corona. And uh, something I really love and admire about you is how open you are with your struggles with clinical depression, anxiety, and PTSD um, since your childhood. How is Corona amplifying those emotions for you? How, how are you coping? So it's definitely amplifying everything. Um, and I keep saying to my husband, thank God this is happening now and not two and a half years ago when I was hospitalized for, uh, for suicidality. I, I don't know how I would cope. I don't know how I would cope if it were too hap- if it were happening two years ago. Um, because my mental health then was my full-time job. You know, as a stay-at-home parent, I still feel like I'm building the plane as I'm flying it. And on top of the depression, anxiety, I'm an introvert. So in some sense, like in the first days, there was a lot that felt like a relief for me because our schedule just was so unbearable and the kids schedules and just the expectations of always being on and always responding to social media or text messages or emails or calls kids activities and just constantly going yeah. going going mm-hmm. keeping the house clean you know cooking the dinners doing all the things all of the things that women have to do all of the time it always felt like too much to me and i always felt like i was looking around saying, how is this not too much for everyone else? How is everyone else doing this? Yeah. And not freaking out yeah. about it. Um, and so you kind of welcome the slowdown, welcome the pause button. I did. Yeah. yeah, I did. And I still do. And it takes all the pressure off. And it it's forcing us to kind of be still and be quiet with ourselves. And I think everyone now is forced to kind of do that look inward inward reflection yes and so that to me feels like a relief because again as like a chai latte as a spiritual white woman you know every (laughs) every woman of color is out there saying yeah welcome to the party we've been here for a long time thanks for joining us yes Um, and it's (laughs) hey better late than never Better late than never, I guess, but um, I feel that responsibility now because for so long, women of color have been the canaries in the mines saying, hey, we're all, we're all getting sicker. Uh, we got to do something about this. And we're all connected. We're all connected. We're all from the same, that divine oneness. Absolutely. And the white men in power have just sort of rolled their eyes and gone about their day securing their very comfortable positions of power and maintaining them. But it's not just women of color. I feel like all women have been dismissed and just ignored and not listened to or not invited at the table um, for so long. For so long. There's a great article um, up on Ms. Magazine right now by um, Andrea Flynn, and uh, it's called The All-Consuming Emotional Labor Caused by Coronavirus and Shouldered by Women. And it's so good. I, I encourage all my listeners, male and female, to go and read it. And I don't remember a time when an article hit me in my heart the way this piece of writing did. And I want to quote from it now. Uh, Flynn writes, 
For me, I'm joined by mothers everywhere and having found myself shouldering the lion's share of the household labor over the last few weeks. We have prepared the vast majority of meals, cleaned up our kids' messes throughout the day, and navigated telemedicine calls with our pediatricians. We've done the majority of the at-home teaching, setting up our own laptops at our kids' makeshift workstations so we can serve as teacher and IT technician while attempting to do our own jobs. So Shannon and I, I also have to um, let our listeners in on, we're, we are on this group chat together and it kind of like holds me up during the day with 21 of our mutual other uh, mom and girlfriends. And um, I think one of the big things I was just sharing on this chat list just a week and a half ago was since we've been on Corona lockdown for me, I mean, even with this, like my now podcast home recording studio, my husband kind of immediately dominated the space. And I was kind of just locked, trapped in the house with my two kids. And I became like the nanny, the cleaners, I became all of it. And I I kind of had to, you know, stand up for myself and remind everybody that, hey, I have to work too. And I have a career too. And of course, when I got upset, my husband was like, oh, well, why didn't you just come to the office when you need it? Or why didn't you just, you know, kind of take your office hours? But in kind of overnight with the lockdown, I really became trapped in this kind of domestic sphere. And uh, what do you want to tell women, Shannon, who are really struggling to survive right now in their homes, in addition to all the emotional labor we do, plus all these extra loads of and extra jobs on our plates? What, what do you want to tell women? Everything that you just said resonates so much, and everything in that article you just referenced um, resonates as well. And I think there's so much, you know, in addition to being an introvert, I am also an empath. And so this has been a powerful sort of energetic experience for me where I've always absorbed other people's energy. But now that the collective is so much bigger and it is truly on a global scale, that has been it has forced me to really be conscientious about what I am consuming and what I'm exposing myself to. And I don't think you, I don't think it is true any longer that that is the case for introverts only or empaths only. I think it is now part of our human experience in this moment of COVID-19. We are all having to be very careful about what I refer to as the number of spoons we have, right? Like whatever, however you want to describe the resources that you have available to you, that's what I mean by spoons. So My social media is probably the number one thing that I am trying to be conscientious about curating. A lot of what I have to say about how we can make it through this time of global pandemic refers back to my experience in those early days after coming home from the hospital, which is there's that graphic Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's a very, you know, prominent sort of image and philosophy in psychology. And it ranks in order of importance in the in the shape of this triangle, our needs. And at the base level of that, it's it's just survival. Yeah. Right. It's it's clean air, it's clean water, it's a roof over yes. our head, it's clothes, yes. it's food. Um <sighs> and the next level above that still, you know, in the category of material needs, it's your safety. So your personal safety, um, whether or not you have gainful employment, what resources you have, your, you know, property ownership or your access to healthcare. 
Um, and then anything above that in the pyramid is what, what they would consider, you know, more spiritual or psychological needs. So right in those early days when I came out of the hospital and almost on a daily basis now in these times, I am reminding myself that if I don't achieve anything beyond those first two levels of Maslow's pyramid, it's okay. Yeah. Right? Like it's okay. It's okay. We are all, we all just need to survive right now. And if I don't get to the 17 hours of distance learning <laughs> programming and, you know, the latest Instapot recipe and whatever, you know, all of these expectations that we put on ourselves that we are supposed to achieve every day. It's okay. It's not only okay, it's not even helpful right yes. now. Like it's not even helpful to say, all right, we got all this time at home. Let's make the most of it. We're going to come out of this and be the best version of ourselves. We're going to be Martha Stewart and be in our best shape of our lives and have our book written. And yeah, exactly. It's like, it's what we were talking it's about. What, it's what Glennon Doyle refers to as the dirty pink bunny in her latest book, Untamed. We all chase what we have been told is the goal, and it's all BS. It's, all it's not BS. only all BS, it's designed to keep us in a position of constantly weakness. chasing something, constantly feeling like it's not enough, we're not enough, or we didn't do enough. We're not enough, there's something wrong with us, we have to improve, and I, it's a trance that we've all been sort of All of us, yes. Under. Yes for a really long time. And it's deadly to varying degrees, depending on what your circumstances in life are. You know, for me, I've been, it, it has been a very painful awakening, but I have never not had the safety net of my family, of my home, of my neighborhood, so I've had a very safe space to go through that. Exactly. This is a huge... The majority yeah. of the world don't Does have not. that luxury. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's very... Yeah, they're struggling to achieve those first two levels of that pyramid. Just their very basic needs. And, and they don't have any of that safe space exactly. to do it in. So I can't even imagine. Yeah. I think that is a really important disclaimer also for our listeners that when we are having this conversation, I mean, Shannon and I know we are aware that we are speaking from like... an. A, a really a position of privilege a lot i think Major what privilege. what is what is so interesting right now cuz you know i mean madonna in her rose petal filled bath the other day said that said on her instagram that corona that covid-19 is the big equalizer but it's like actually we're not all equal even in this we are all down fighting for our basic you know it, we have been kind of stripped to like our very basic needs we need to make sure we are safe our family safe we have access to food shelter but guess what not everybody has access to that even in the time of corona no, no. And that's that's exactly the point. It should be an equalizer, but it's, but it's not. not. And it's up to us to make it an equalizer. Yeah. Ex this so is the chance for us to do it. Because if anything, yes. uh, Corona is exposing how unequal the systems in place are. It's exactly right. It's yeah. exactly right. And if we are comfortably, you know, achieving those higher levels in that hierarchy of needs, then we need to we need to be the ones to take steps to make ourselves less comfortable so that others can become more comfortable. It's our responsibility. We don't have any more time to debate back and forth who's responsible. We don't have any time left to decide 
what's causing the planet to die. You know, this yeah. truly is the universe or mother nature or, you know, God, wh whatever you want to call it. But we whatever have been, in, yes. we have been sent to our rooms and told to think about what we, we have been have sent done. to time out. We have been sent. We are definitely in time 100%, out. We have been sent to time out <laughs> and we better do the thinking that we have to do. <laughs> we better use this time to think. Yeah. And we can, and I think we're still in that place. You can see it everywhere where we're still throwing that temper tantrum. We're in the room, but we are pissed about it. And we are going to throw our toys around the room and make it clear that we're pissed about it. Oh, the entitlement. The entitlement is just seeping out of us. Exactly. Yeah. And we have to get past that and finally sit down and, you know, go to our cozy corner, <laughs> calm ourselves down yeah. <laughs> and ask ourselves what we did to contribute to this situation. Exactly. What was our role in it? Exactly. What was our role? What was our responsibility in it? I kind of go so back and forth. It's it's such a surreal experience, I feel like, for me, because, uh, I mean, I grew up in, in, in Dhaka, Bangladesh, so I've kind of seen this kind of, you know, extreme poverty, even though I was in a position of privilege there as well, but uh, extreme poverty, you know, natural disasters. Like, I grew up with, like, the 88 flood, the 91 cyclone, so I've seen this kind of suffering, but at the same time, having it happen in America where you're supposed to, like, sometimes I look at my children and I'm like, I'm so grateful for X, Y, and Z, but I never wanted my kids to experience this kind of, of, of kind of suffering and pain. But then I think, hey, they're in Upper Chevy Chase in D.C., this fridge is stocked, you know, they're doing virtual learning. Like, I, I, it makes me think about what Brene Brown says, be grateful, yeah. be grateful. And especially in this time, I feel like whenever I want to go down the dark hole, because it's so easy to want to do that, to be depressed, to be like, this is terrible. We don't know when it's going to end. There's so much death all over the world. Everything has changed. We're in a kind of collective grieving. Still everyone's so unequal. But then whenever you kind of come down to be grateful, be grateful you have food, I feel like it helps to center that yeah. and breathing. Yeah. The breath work is, is very real. And I think we have to also redefine self-care. Huh, that's interesting. You know, for us, we, you mentioned like that text chain of our, of our friends. And I consider everyone on that list to be an especially, you know, woke woman in the United States in 2020. <laughs> Truly. But even we Truly. in our yeah. comfortable lives refer to self-care as like, I really need a mani-pedi. Can we get together and have a glass of wine or, you know? And we are very privileged to define self-care in that way, but we have to throw that definition out the window now. And not only that, we have to, in doing so, understand that that was never the definition of self-care for the majority of the world. That has never been the definition of self-care. For them, self-care truly is, you know, how am I going to get through this day and wake up tomorrow to get through another day? But beyond that, you need to take care of yourself and not go so far down the rabbit hole that, and this is my challenge because this is where people coming into this who have pre-existing conditions of mental health struggles, hopefully come into this global pandemic experience with sort of a toolbox of, of what to do. But there are many people who have never had those struggles and are experiencing the same intense, overwhelming feelings exactly. and emotions and don't know what to do with it. And I'll be honest, I don't know what's better, right? Like, and I think the point is, 
it doesn't matter. There is no better, right? Like we're all suffering along that spectrum, but to each one of us, relatively speaking, this is one of the hardest, if not the hardest time we've ever experienced in life. One of your essays about mental health that you shared with me uh, when we first became friends uh, was so moving to me that I called to tell you. And in the process, I just ended up bawling to you like like the ugliest, loudest cry. <laughs> because the essay you shared with me uh, spoke to me so strongly. And you told me, I called to tell you how amazing your work was and you ended up comforting me. Uh, you told me that we should never feel guilty about how we handled a loved one's mental health challenges right. because society does not teach us how to handle mental health. So to be kinder to ourselves um, yep. on that front. Do you think we as a society now, do you think we're finally learning to prioritize our mental health? I do, and I, but I, I'll, I don't know why. I don't know if I believe that because I am clinging to that optimistic view for hope or because I, I really do believe it, but either way, it needs to be the case. We have to, we don't have a choice anymore. We don't have a choice anymore. And otherwise, cause we are going to come out of this. It's a collective grief. You know, there's that, there's some great writing coming out right now cause we yeah. all have the time. Uh, but that piece saying, uh, that, that discomfort you're feeling, that New York Times piece is grief. Discomfort you're feeling. Was it Atlantic or, or NY Times? Anyway, yeah, that, that discomfort. Exactly. It's grief. We are grieving. Things are never going to be the same again. No, and we shouldn't fear that. The problem is when we say we that, I think it. we say that, especially if we're in a position of, power or, you know, enjoying a comfortable life, that's terrifying to us, but it shouldn't be. We have to let go of that fear, not ignore it. That's the biggest thing. You know, our feelings right now, they are meant to be felt. We need to feel the feelings. We cannot drown them out. We can't suppress them. We can't scroll past them on Instagram. Like we have to do the work and sit with it all and bring it all out into the light and deal with it because we've been distracting ourselves from our feelings for far too long and numbing ourselves out. And we've all sort of become these, I don't know, robotic islands unto ourselves, not caring about each other. And, you know, what, again, Glennon Doyle refers to as abandoning ourselves. And it, that really resonates with me. Um, This, that's, that's what mental health struggles have done for me. It has forced me to do that. And I think this global pandemic is going to force all of us to do that. Um, and if it doesn't, shame on us, right? Because yeah. what, yeah, what, shame on what us. else is going to do it? What, what is it going to take if it's not this? What is it going to take? The world is sick. Everybody is sick. We can't even go outside. But then the birds are chirping and nature's just blossoming. Like you cannot, even if you are the most like, I mean, even if someone is hearing this and being like, oh my God, this is way too new agey and spirituality. and Even if you are the most like kind of stone cold person, how can you not, how can you completely say or be sure that the universe is not trying to send us a message? That's right. Right? That's right. And I mean, you have to at least be able to see that. Absolutely. And There's a Roxanne Gay piece where she talks about power in a pandemic and her last paragraph, I'll just read it. Most of us are wondering when life will get back to normal, but normal is what brought us to such a precarious place. Nothing should ever be the same again. And while that is an unnerving prospect, it may also be our saving grace. And that is just to me, everything. It's everything. That is everything. 
So what's the list? What's the list of silver linings that we can see in this experience? And are we committed to holding on to those and, and nurturing them on the other side of this? Because if we don't, then yeah. we perish. I yes. really do believe that. It's, I think it, it sounds hyperbolic. It even feels hyperbolic as I say it, but it's a test. Yeah. It's the time that we are in. This is what is happening. And it's an opportunity. And I do believe that it is going to inspire sort of a collective enlightenment. And my son is about to come in bawling his eyes out so we can just um, demonstrate the work-life work yes. balance of a mother during oh, time of I global know. pandemic. You know what? I love that. Um, I love that. Before I started oh, recording, Bubba. I had to like bar my children out. No, I know. If you could see my house right now, it's insane what it has taken. <laughs> like a bomb went off in here and it's, you know, just so I can talk to my girlfriend for an hour on the phone. <laughs> So the last question um, is, I feel like it's getting harder and harder to work as a woman, ironically, as your child <laughs> walks in on, on us uh, in the yeah. time of Corona. But like so many other things in our lives, we are making yeah. it happen. Um, what are you working on now? What's making you want to spill the chai? So it's so interesting that you asked that because I have been blocked. I've had such bad writer's block for months and months. And my imposter syndrome has been just so on fire, dominating every aspect of my attempts to sit down and, and actually crank some stuff out. Since we started talking about doing this interview, it's just like the floodgates have opened and you've so inspired. I'm so happy to hear that. And empowered me to kind of get this stuff out. I don't know. My thoughts have become more organized. So it's a lot of stream of consciousness essays. Right now, it's just a lot, a ton of journaling. It's just a ton of journaling, which is another big self-care yes. tip that I would put out there. And I think too, just slowing down the other big concept that's been coming back over and over again for me in my writing is this need to slow down and be, be present, present in the moment, it's which so is so uncomfortable, it's so uncomfortable, so really, uncomfortable for all of us. And you have to, and you just have to, we have to all push through it because it, we got here to this point of sickness, all the definitions of sickness, because we have avoided doing that for so long and we can't avoid it anymore. Like the bill is due. We've been sent to our room. We can't afford it. We can't we afford, afford it. it anymore. And we, we got to do, we got to, <laughs> we got to eat our vegetables. We got to do the hard work. Yep. Well, Shannon, I cannot thank you. Thank you. I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for being our guest today and spilling chai with us. I love it. Thank you for your bravery and your honesty. And I'm so grateful for our friendship. And I can't wait to see you in person again soon. I know. I'm sending you a virtual <laughs> hug. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. It's been my honor. With all challenging things, this crazy time shall too pass. It will pass, right guys? I know it's hard to stay positive now, but being mentally strong is one of the greatest defenses we have against the virus. So dear listeners, stay vigilant, be smart, wash your hands, and for the love of God, stay home. There will be a light at the end of the tunnel, or as our Italian brothers and sisters are showing us, un luce al fine del tunnel. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And until next time, let's keep brewing the chai.